Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Faster Mai, it's Sarah Hendy here with you until half past six. And tonight I'll be talking to Bethany and Patrick of Dark Avenue Film about their latest film project. And I'll be digging out me knitting needles and popping along to a bitchcraft gathering. Now, I don't know if I've mentioned it at all, but our weekly podcast is free to stream, download or subscribe to on the Manx Radio website. So if you miss anything at all this evening or want to share the show with your friends, head over to manxradio.com. Now we're joined by Bethany and Patrick of Dark Avenue Film Production. Bethany, Patrick, hello and welcome back to the programme. The last time that we spoke to you on Spotlight was when you were just in the early stages of developing uh, The Lost Wife and you were you're excited about getting filming. A lot has happened since then. How, how is the filming process and, and how are you finding things now? The filming process was good. Uh, it was busy. It was busy, <laughs> it was exhausting, uh, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it was really nice to kind of uh, have the ideas that we'd had in our heads for a year finally come through mm. and um, I mean we surprised ourselves with some of the stuff we did we, yeah. and now it's been edited um, and it's a picture lock now which means that nothing is going to change in the in how it looks so now it's on to sound design and yeah. uh, soundtracks being recorded by Mira Royal over Christmas and then it's going back to our editor so that he can add all the colour into it. Because at the moment, it's pretty uh, it's pretty washed out. Yeah. Everything's <laughs> a bit beige. How does that work? Well, uh, the camera itself tries to capture as much colour information as possible. Mm. Um, but it makes everything kind of look really, really kind of bland. So it's and got then, loads of detail in it, which you can later pull out in colour correction but just looking at it on its own is, is yeah. not the most <laughs> exciting a bit, a bit flat maybe yeah. very, very flat yeah. <laughs> and so and so you have you have other people who are part of your team who help you to sort of achieve the, the final result yes yes yeah Will Fletcher who's our editor um, we uh, went to university with him he's absolutely fantastic and he's been uh, beavering away after work yeah, for the yeah, last few months he works full time and yeah. he just does this evenings and weekends he's been yeah. an absolute star with it yeah is that is that quite common in your industry, especially when you're doing sort of uh, short or, or feature length, um, small productions? Yes, people who <laughs> double yeah. up yeah. at least. Definitely, yeah. I mean, if people aren't um, working full time and doing stuff on the side, then they'll be freelancing and just trying to gig whatever work they can. So it's um, it's a <laughs> it's a it's a hell of a business. <laughs> yeah, it certainly sounds like it. And um, and how how far away are you from the final product? And when do you hope to be sharing it with us? Well, we're aiming for the whole film to be ready by the end of February. Um, and from that point, we will be uh, it will be sent out to all of our crowdfunders who supported it they get to see a copy before anyone else does and we'll be submitting it into uh, various festivals so we don't know exactly how long it will be before it is available publicly because it'll depend on what it gets into and um, restrictions around that Um, but we'll keep you updated about it gosh that's a lot sooner than i thought it'd be i thought you were going to say something like um 2023 you know, I, I appreciate there's so much that goes into it yeah. i can't imagine how you can turn it around more quickly than that um, and you mentioned crowdfunding there how mm. is that going for you um as a as a business are you finding it's got strong uptake and it's good support 
well, crowdfunding is something we've done specifically for this project, mm-hmm. and it's it's a process that's quite difficult, really. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to. Uh, I mean, we've come from a sort of from from nothing really with this film, and it's sort of with the Mira Royal documentary and this. It's kind of us kind of moving ourselves up yeah. a bit, and so at first it was kind of quite difficult. You sort of have to call on people, and then you kind of you know, there's this big uh, scale of like you need to raise this much money, and this is how much money you've got, and then you start thinking in your mind, oh, well, is it is it worth having a big chunk in at the beginning and this and it, yeah. you start sort of second guessing yourself mm. so it's it's a process that requires a lot of um not being paranoid about <laughs> things uh, is there a word for that i'm trying yeah. to think <laughs> yeah but uh, it's it's a great way for people to support support us and yes. support all the people who are making the film and we're yeah. hugely grateful for the people who did give their money to the film yeah how many people would you say were involved or have been involved in the process so far because i imagine there might be other people who could sort of come into it before it's sort of in the in this yeah. final furlong i mean so and i think crewing rise the probably about eight or nine of us in total mm-hmm. who've worked on the film itself but um other people who've been key in it uh, beth and steve martin whose film we shot the film at farm whose who's farm we shot the film at sorry um have been brilliant the whole way through they've been really encouraging really interested as well you know uh, steve martin was on set whenever we were shooting on the farm giving us advice on how to make it authentic i can honestly and, say he made the film better yeah it was like there were some sections <laughs> of the script where we had the main character about the farm doing jobs and we were thinking what jobs can we make him do and then the night before I would email Steve and go have you got any ideas of what we could have him do here and then the next day we'd turn up and there'd be a tractor and he'd cut the <laughs> you know, branches off trees and yeah. he's like oh you can load this in and it, it looks great it looks really fantastic mm. and he, I can honestly say that they have made the film better in so many yeah. ways it wouldn't, wouldn't be happening without them absolutely Film sets are kind of magical environments in my mind. It's sort of like it's sort of, there's like energy about them, isn't there? It's like everyone's got the same focus, the same goal, and having all of those people gathered um, to sort of work to the same end. There's there's something really electric about it. When you're in charge of that situation, <laughs> where do you begin? How do you how do you prepare for a day of filming, and and, and what do you have to consider to make sure that everyone is in the right frame of mind? We had to do most of our prep in advance of the week of shooting because <laughs> once you finish, once you wrap one day, you've immediately got to go on to what you're doing the next. So um, it was it was a lot of preparatory work and getting. Uh, we had uh, our first AD did our call sheets so that everyone knew what scenes we were doing, and we had to adjust those as we went along because the weather kept changing. Um, so there's there's so many things to think about, and um, producing this time has <laughs> really made us realise how much work actually goes into it. But um, yeah, we, we came out of the other side of it with a, a lot of experience and, and learning. Um, you know, when you know, how many days straight you can shoot by the, before you really need a break. <laughs> that was the main one. Um, keeping that focus up yeah, as well. It's like, yeah. um, for me, directing it, um, you know, I'd have to know the script pages that we were doing that day inside out. I'd have to know the shot list that I'd done and and what would be the best order to shoot things in because if you're using a slider which the camera can move across, it's like you're going to need more time to do that than you would be if it was just somebody sat down and you've got the camera on them. So it's kind of 
being able to process that time. Mm-hmm. And also then when you're on set, you've got to keep everyone's spirits up. You've got to keep your own spirits up. You've got to not fall asleep. Um, <laughs> you've got to um, keep an eye on what you're doing whilst also thinking two or three hours ahead yeah. and understanding kind of what you're shooting. It's like you, you're you watching a screen and these things are happening and you have to kind of process how they're going to fit into a, a larger thing, mm. some of which you haven't shot yet. <laughs> so it's a, it's a lot to think about and at the end of the week we were both absolutely exhausted yeah but, it took a, a good week to recover <laughs> yeah, but but looking at what we've got and the cut that we've got we're yeah. really really happy with it it's like it, it mm. has come out really well and that's down to everyone's hard work really mm. not just ours yeah how long is the film itself and how long did it take you to shoot it because i think these days because everyone's got a camera on their phone and you know when it's small scale production or short films it's so easy to think oh that must be a lot easier to shoot than something bigger, but the process that you're desi- des- describing <laughs> sounds epic. <laughs> so the film, the cut we've got at the moment is 20 minutes long. Yeah. So originally we had it planned for 15 minutes, mm-hmm. but the way things went, and this is this is another thing, it's like um, you can have you can plan a shot and it happens perfectly. There's, there's a shot where we have an entire conversation while people are eating eating dinner together and the camera was going from the right to left on this slider and this thing is happening across this whole conversation and you're going wow this is fantastic you get everyone as they're talking and you don't miss anyone out Mm. and then you get to the edit and this shot is you know 25 seconds long and you go oh well 15 minutes might be a bit ambitious with the the time it's like you can either cut that down and you lose that Mm. or you have to kind of work around it and and yeah we had singles of of each character on either side so you could in theory cut into that to reduce you know reduce time between people saying their lines and things like that but it's just way more effective on yeah. that one shot so we left it as is so and and it took it was a seven day shoot yeah. of 10 hours each day the last day wasn't wow. 10 hours the no. last day was probably in about and and to six. be fair we did finish consistently early every day apart from one we ran over by half an hour one day yeah and that was that was a real late night because we had we had how many night shoots shoots out of seven seven. (laughs) so then you'd be starting about three four five o'clock and going on till you know midnight one o'clock um that's those are difficult to keep the energy up i can't imagine (laughs) spotlight brought to you by the isle of man arts council Knitting needles and pencils at the ready now. We're heading to Women of Man's sister group event, Bitchcraft, where group leader Gran Yashid, who's becoming a good friend of the show, tells us what it's all about. We've heard of Stitch and Bitch before, but not Bitchcraft. Is it a similar kind of thing? Yeah, very much a similar concept where um, we're a group of crafters that get together um, mainly under the guise of the, uh, the fact that we're all identify as feminists. So it's uh, a... Uh, gathering together of like-minded souls who like to craft things with their hands what is a feminist in this day and age oh good question (laughs) um i guess um someone who believes in gender equality equality of opportunity and um not boxing people in to strict gender and norms you know saying that a girl can't do this because she's a girl or a boy can't cry because he's a boy, that kind of thing. So sort of doing away with with that and approaching it from a bit more of an open-minded and equal basis. 
does craft work have a place in that? Crafting has always been something that's been quite um, sort of maybe belittled or marginalised because it's something that women do and um, tends to be um, sidelined and not taken as seriously. So this is about reclaiming that as a as a like a powerful tool if you wanted to use it in terms of craftivism where you're um, sort of putting out like a a message with it you know in the form of yarn bombing or um, non-permanent graffiti putting bits of embroidery up on you know fences and benches and things like that but also just to um, celebrate the fact that making things with our hands is, is not a frivolous activity it's a really really awesome superpower <laughs> and we're just trying to reclaim it really and that's sort of also the reason why the name is as it is reclaiming that word um, for ourselves rather than it be a word that people use to insult and belittle yeah definitely and um, women reclaim it for ourselves and I love the kind of double entendre of it being with witchcraft as well another another st- um, sort of archetype that's used to marginalise and belittle and demonise women who live on the margins of society. So it's all about reclaiming these things for ourselves and celebrating it and coming together and doing that. People might imagine that a group of feminists consists of women. That's not exactly the case really, is it? Absolutely not. Anyone can be a feminist. It's, It's a misconception that people think it's only um, something that should matter or appeal or is concerned with women but um, feminist issues can range from a whole range of things including men's mental health and the stigma behind their being able to open up emotionally and you know it's just about breaking down the limitations of gender stereotypes so you can identify as a feminist regardless of your of your gender and background mm-hmm. yeah and by your description of um of feminism that you gave just before it's likely that people are feminists and they don't even realize it because the word has got such a sting- stigma attached to it yeah i think so i think the the word um puts a lot of people off because they think of I don't know, they think of bra burning in the 70s. You know, they've got that sort of very tight, fixed mindset about what it means. And yeah, exactly as you say, the, the kind of common sense, liberal views that they might have uh, would, would, would place them under that category of, of being a feminist. But, um, but yeah, they just it, the, the word has connotations from that second wave, but it does adapt and evolve with society. And I think it's, yeah, time to take another look at, at what that means today and the group of people who meet up I mean how often do you meet up and where where do you do that what do what do people do people bring projects and things but do you have to be do you have to be an accomplished crafter what's the story you don't have to be a crafter at all you can come just with a curious mind um, I really wanted the group to also be a sort of skill sharing place as well so if you maybe you're a knitter but you always wanted to learn how to embroider and someone else is an embroiderer but wanted to learn how to knit you know you might be able to pass on some rudimentary skills to each other or share some inspiration and tips that kind of thing so 
you know any level just if you've got an interest in in making with your hands and it's um not we've what we've got around the table today we've got knitting we've got um, embroidery and cross stitch and i brought my sketchbook so it it can be any kind of art form it, it's just it's just about facilitating a place to get people together and talking and, and crafting at the same time it's very nice way to relax at the end of a work day we meet up once a month and um, at the minute it's during the first week of every month um, on a Wednesday um, and we're currently at our last one of the year at the minute and we're taking feedback from people about what they liked and what they might want to see for 2020 so uh, we'll be coming back in January with new and improved bitchcraft. <laughs> if people want to join in how do they find out more? We have a Facebook group which anyone is welcome to join um, where we share inspiration for various things so even if you don't think you can make a meeting you can still be part of the community on the group and still uh, join in there which is lovely. You can find it by either searching for bitchcraft and in it's B asterisk T-C-H-C-R-A-F-T um, or you can find it via the Women of Man Facebook page under groups. Lydia, what's this here? He's got, it looks like a little face, is it? Is it like a lion or something? Yeah, it's a lion. Um, I visited my sister in Singapore in September and um, one of her twins drew pictures that I could then go home and sew because I've been doing embroidery for a year and a half but I'm not very good at actually drawing and they look quite childlike anyway so I figured I might, might as well actually get a child to draw it and then at least that way I can be like well a child drew it rather than my <laughs> poor basic drawing skills. Oh, that's so cute so they're kind of captured forever and what, what, what are you going to do with it because you're sort of embroidering it in this hoop um, where's it going what's the plan for it? Um, so at the moment this is like a practice piece so I just take some material and just uh, sketch some designs onto it or if somebody's given me a design to draw I'll use a light pad to draw onto the material and then um, embroider it over it and so this is just like a practice piece and then hopefully I want to be able to build my up onto doing onto t-shirt designs or um, bags and that kind of thing so it's just at the moment it's just practice and because I'm quite new to uh, doing embroidery it's just learning new skills and different different types of stitch because I'm I think I've got three stitches that I can do now out of like... Oh my god, it's a world of yeah, stitches, world isn't of stitches. it? Do you have like interest in other crafts? How, how did, what was your way into embroidery? Well, two years ago I was travelling around Southeast Asia and I found it after a while of continuous travelling on planes and trains and I was just getting bored of... Like, I only managed to bring two books with me in my rucksack and I was just getting really bored and I just found that I felt like I needed a creative outlet. So I was doing lots of drawing when I was out there and I was following Instagram pages and um, one of the pages was doing embroidery and I thought it looked really interesting. So I couldn't wait to get back home to just, you know, visit the craft shops and start picking up all these um, different instruments to start to start going with it. Um, and I ju I've just gone from there and, and since then I've, I've started doing uh, dressmaking courses at the college as well and it's just sort of developed from there then just an interest of of doing it but yeah. embroidery it's really therapeutic I find and I know a lot of people use them um, uh, craft for sort of mindfulness and I do find that I can switch off and and just like go with it and just just learn how to do something yeah. and it's, it's fun to do something new as well it's it's not very often as an adult that you can say that you've learned a new skill and it's something that can be done from home either following people on Instagram or YouTube videos so it's 
it's really interesting to to start to see a start process of how you can you know learn something new that you didn't maybe know a month or two ago and can say like oh I, I know what a French knot is now which are absolutely horrible by the way if you've ever tried to do a French <laughs> knot <laughs> I haven't even attempted one yet I was that put off by it um how do you how do you feel about craftivism how do you feel about the power of expression through making things I suppose um well when I started doing it I wasn't really doing it for anybody other than myself and it's just a way of keeping busy and um just learning a new skill I think craft work in history, especially with uh, feminism and women's history, is quite important. Obviously, there's like history of like quilting, um, you know, even things like the WI, and like I think it's a thing in history of women getting together and doing crafts. I think it's quite empowering and uplifting, and you know, women get to talk about things and situations that they may not have otherwise been in. So I think it, it's really good, and I think it, it works in today's society because even though, um, you know, we've obviously come a long way in the modern age of using telephones it's so nice to be able to do something that you can make with your hand so what are you making here um, it, you've got a very long piece of wire with needles attached to either end and i i don't know what i'm looking at i have so this is a circular knitting needle um which is kind of two knitting needles connected with a long wire and it means that you can knit round in a circle um, and also, if you're knitting something heavy and that gets kind of annoying on the end of a long needle, it sort of spreads the weight, so it's a bit easier. And you can scrunch it up and shove it in your coat pocket. And it doesn't stab people on the bus like normal needles would, <laughs> which is probably safer. Um, and I'm making a jumper for me, which is kind of knitted in two pieces with the sleeves knitted in a different kind of wool. So I have three balls of wool which keep getting tangled, um, and then you and then you make the one sleeve and the other sleeve, and then you join them together and knit it in the round. Crikey! Yeah, I, I'm still none the wiser. Um, you must have been knitting for quite some time to be at this level. It looks fairly advanced. Yeah, four years. Um, I normally make shawls and slightly simpler things I've never quite this is a weird construction for a jumper it's not how you'd normally do it um, so I'm still getting my head around it what got you into knitting was it something that someone in your family did and you kind of picked up or did you did you sort of pursue it as your own activity I I just taught myself um we actually I got involved in it because I was in a, a kind of new babies group and then one of the women in the group her baby died um, so we all knitted a square for a blanket to give to her. So I taught myself to knit so that I could knit a square for the blanket. And I really liked knitting, so I carried on. And that was like four or five years ago. I just carried on. How did you find out about this group? Is it, had you been to any other sort of social crafting groups before? Uh, I used to run one with the junior doctors at the hospital. Um, and taught a load of them to knit but then they all moved away for different jobs and then I moved house it didn't happen um, but I'm a member of the the women of man book group and this is their kind of sister group of crafters so I thought I'd join this too doctors are so busy it's I find it amazing that you you have time to do this I mean I can't even start one project I'm dreadful at this but is it is it something that sort of something you used to sort of wind down at the end of a long day maybe yeah, it's therapeutic, um, and I'm always the kind of person who I like being busy and I like having something to do with my hands, and I do find it hard to wind down when I get back from a stressful day or whatever. So, um, 
If I just try and watch the TV or relax, I end up getting fidgety and get up and start tidying up or whatever. Whereas if I have something to do with my hands, then I'm more likely to sit there and relax. And, um, and it's quite meditative. It's kind of the repetitive motion is, is nice. It's relaxing. Unless it's something really complicated. <laughs> when, it's, when it's not very relaxing. <laughs> my husband laughs at my swearing, but most of the time it's, it's good. <laughs> And there we also heard from Emily and Lydia, who were very happily crafting away until I came along and stuck a microphone under their noses. So apologies, ladies, but thank you for sharing your stories with us. That's all we have time for this week. But do join me again next Wednesday at six for the last spotlight of this decade. There will be a spotlight Christmas special over the festive season. So join me again for more information on that. In the meantime, have a lovely creative week. Slen you.